Hey everybody, welcome to our online service. My name is Chris McDaniel, the lead pastor here at Trinity, and we are thankful that you've chosen to join us for worship today. Today is Father's Day, um, the Sunday that we posted this service, and we just want to say happy Father's Day to you. If you're a dad, we celebrate you. We hope that you'll have a good time with your kids and with your family. If you have a dad, give him a call today or maybe hopefully enjoy a barbecue with him. Uh, so today's a great day for joy and celebration. We also know that for many of us, maybe our relationship with our father is not what we want it to be. Maybe we've, we've lost our dad even. And we just want to say to you that we as your pastors are aware that there is complexity even on days of celebration. And so for you, if this is a heavy day, I just want to say the Lord um, will and desires to meet you and bring his comfort to you. And so I want you to know that we are, I am praying for you today. Before we read in the Bible, I also want to say that we are having a great time in our in-person services. While we're continuing this service for the time being online, increasingly more and more of you who live in Atlanta are coming to worship with us at our three morning services. And I would just say, if you haven't checked us out, please do so. Visit the website. We've got different kinds of services, masked and distanced and mask optional services, and we hope that you'll come and check us out. I'm going to read from Mark 4, and then we're going to pray, and then we're just going to see what the Lord has for us today, beginning in verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with him in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump into the text today. Holy Spirit, we ask you for your presence and for an awareness of your presence to be real to us wherever we are today. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the fact that these moments with Jesus and his friends actually have something to say to us as we live our lives today. God, and specifically where we have all encountered storms of various kinds in these last months, this last year, we ask, Lord, that you would show us how you interact with us in the midst of storms. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there are a few movements in this passage, and we're going we're gonna to look at the movements and, and sort of chart a course through the text so that we maybe pause to see some things as we're walking through the passage. The first one is this. The words that begin this passage, on that day and just as he was. On that day gives us a context clue. And if you were with us last week at church, we looked at Jesus where he had taught about a mustard seed and he had taught about crops in a field as a way to understand the slow and steady growth of the kingdom of God. Well, it was on the same day where Jesus had preached that sermon that he immediately gets into a boat with his friends and says, let's go across to the other side. So on that day locates us in the words and the teaching that Jesus had just engaged in the moments before. And here's what we're meant to take about and from that. Spiritual growth is slow, but storms come suddenly. (laughs) And I wish it weren't the case. 
I wish that spiritual growth was sudden and storms came up really slowly, but that's not the way it is. This passage reminds us that it takes a long time to grow, and yet trouble can come in just one instant, one moment, without notice. And maybe right now you're in the middle of a storm that just seemingly came out of nowhere. I know many of us, as we live our lives, we experience those things from time to time. And so in the midst of that process of slow growth, with the potential of a storm coming, the second movement comes in this passage, which is Jesus saying to his friends, let us go over to the other side. And I've been thinking about that. Jesus, before the storm came, told his friends, we're going to go from here to there. And as I look at my own life, I think that there are times in life where Jesus says, Chris, you're going to grow from here to there. And I don't know that in the middle of that process of growth, I'm going to encounter storms, but he does. And so it's very important for us to understand that Jesus said, we're going to make it to the other side. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that water in the Bible is always challenging. See, the Jews were not seafaring people. And so oftentimes when you see stories about water or events or encounters that involve water, um, water represents to the Jews and in the sacred text of the Bible, uncertainty, things being bigger than us, things being deeper than us, things that might overwhelm or overcome us. And what Jesus is saying in this moment is we're going to navigate things that feel overwhelming. We're going to get through a thing by going from one side of the water to the other. But here's the kicker. When we face things that are bigger than us, we're sometimes overwhelmed, afraid even. And that leads us to the third thing we see in this passage. A storm emerges as they're progressing while Jesus sleeps on a cushion. A storm comes up suddenly. It just emerges out of nowhere and I want to say something a little bit about the Sea of Galilee. So this is the place where Jesus would have been with his friends. And the Sea of Galilee is actually a place. You could go visit it today. You could Google image search it and see it. But here's why you need to know something about the Sea of Galilee. That sea exists roughly 700 feet below sea level. Just 30 miles away, there's a mountain called Mount Hermon that is 9,200 feet above sea level. And if you know anything about the way storm systems work, it's common in a place like that where you've got really low, surrounded by really high basins for a kind of rut to emerge and storm systems get trapped in that rut. They come up out of nowhere and they can be really violent. Because of that, the Sea of Galilee is known for sudden storms emerging. And I've been thinking about my own life and I'm thinking my life kind of feels like a Sea of Galilee sort of surrounded by mountains and things can get trapped in there. And there have been times over the last year where I've thought, I feel like weather can settle in over the landscape of my own life, seemingly out of nowhere. Well, here Jesus is with his friends and a storm emerges. And while all hell is breaking loose, Jesus is just sleeping. Y'all, this is actually the only instance in the New Testament where Jesus is explicitly noted to be sleeping. Now, we know that he sleeps every day. Jesus, as he lived with his friends, slept just like you did. But this is the only time that the writers of the Bible take the time to tell us he's asleep. And it's during a chaotic, fear-inducing, crazy storm. Why? See, one of the things that strikes me in this is that God is not absent from his friends. Jesus is near to them, and yet they're experiencing pain and trial and difficulty. 
And I've been thinking about my own life, and it reminds me that just because I'm experiencing a storm, it doesn't mean God's not somehow near to me. Now, what I wish would have happened in this story is I wish that Jesus would have just jumped up and said, hey, we're not going to have any storms, but that's not what happens. Because if he'd done that for them, then I would have been maybe inclined to think that I'm entitled to never have to go through the storms of life. But what we see in this moment is that while Jesus does not start the storm, while he is not absent from his friends, he does allow his friends to experience some of the turbulence of life events. And if you're anything like me, you've probably experienced more than your fair share of turbulence over the last year. I know that for me, it's taken a toll on my heart in some ways because I feel like the exhaustion of just struggling through a storm. And what we see here is that Jesus is present to them, but he's allowing them to experience some difficulty. Before we move on, I want to note this. Jesus sleeps. Why? I think there are probably two reasons why Jesus sleeps. Number one, he's tired and he's honoring his need for rest. And I think that for us to be able to think about that, that's actually really important that if Jesus is able to rest in the middle of difficulty, don't you think that we should give ourselves permission to rest even when things are hard? Jesus doesn't grind on and on and on. He, he rests when he needs to rest. He actually honors the limitation. Um, he honors his fatigue and says, I, I got to rest. And I think that there's an invitation for you and me to rest even when we're in the midst of hard times. But I think the other reason why he rests in this moment is that he's forming his friends by allowing them to experience some temporary trouble and difficulty. And I believe that there are formation invitations for you and me when we face trouble and difficulty. The key is, can we see it? Can we receive those invitations rather than blaming God or being angry with God? Can we say, where are you inviting me to grow as I face this trial or this tribulation? That was for sure what was part of what was going on for Jesus's friends. Here's the fourth thing we see in this passage. Jesus actually moves toward his friends in his heart despite their panicked response. So what they do is this. They wake him up in a, in a start and they say, Teacher, do you not care that we are dying? And those are really bold words. The, the disciples in their fear are actually rebuking Jesus. They are not being careful with their language. The, the, the reality is um, disciples would never in their right mind, if they were in a, in a right, clear state of thinking, speak to a rabbi this way. They were accusing him in their fear and panic. And yet one of the things that I love about Jesus is he does not smite them or shut them down. He actually allows his friends to show up as they are, even if the way they're speaking to him is not entirely appropriate. At the risk of, you know, hurting your image of me, I, I just want to say that there have been some times over the last year and a half where I have said some bad words while praying to God because I've been so panicked or so upset or so distressed. And I just want to say to you, Jesus can handle the raw and the real when it comes out of you, even if it's not the best. And he does that for his friends right now. But here's what he also does. The text tells us that he woke up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, peace be still. And then the wind ceased and there was a calm. And y'all, the language that Jesus uses to rebuke the wind and the waves is the same language used in the Bible when Jesus would perform an exorcism. He's muzzling something dark. 
and he's acting on behalf of his frightened friends. And one of the things that I think the Lord wants you and me to have a vision for is that Jesus wants to act on behalf of his frightened friends today. And so today, if you find yourself not at your best, less than perfect in your request for help, I just want to say Jesus's instinct is to speak to the wind and the waves, not just tell you to shut it down. He wants to speak to the thing that's frightening, the thing that's unsettling or upsetting us. He speaks forcefully to the storm. He treats it as if it were evil, and he asserts his authority over the storm. He muzzles it and calms it. And then he speaks to his friends. So you have to hear this. He speaks to the storm first, and then he speaks to his friends. And this is what he says to his friends. Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? But I think it's important for you to hear that Jesus is not speaking these words Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? These are not condemning words. This is not Jesus actually rebuking his friends the same way that he rebuked the storm. The sad reality is that some of us, because we have a sense of shame about not measuring up, we even hear words like that and we hear them in a condemning light. And that's not what was coming from the heart of Jesus. He's not shaming his friends. He's inviting his friends to grow. He's saying to them, why are you afraid? He's saying to them, there's faith that has to grow here. See, he's rather than shutting his friends down, he's teaching his friends even when they are afraid. And one of the things that I love about Mark's gospel in specific is that Mark's gospel, oftentimes the miracles are accompanied with an invitation for Jesus's friends to grow, to see something, to learn something so that they actually move through the pain to something better. And I just want to say to you, when you experience difficulty, God wants you to see things and move through the difficulty and grow as a result of his invitation. The key is listening to the invitation. I believe that if you're afraid today, regardless of what it is that's catalyzing that fear, Jesus wants to say to you, why are you afraid? And where are you being invited to grow? Can we hear that from God? Here's where I want to leave it. The last thing that I want to say to you is this. Crisis is able to galvanize community. See, we spend most of our lives afraid of crisis. We, we don't want crisis because crisis is uncomfortable. And yet what I see here is that all these disciples in the boat with Jesus are growing together. They're hearing Jesus together. They're learning together. And one of our tendencies as humans is that when we feel that we need to learn a lesson, we oftentimes think we need to learn that lesson alone. We oftentimes allow shame, feeling like we don't measure up, to drive us apart from one another rather than together. And one of the things I love about this story is the disciples are literally stuck in a boat and their panicked response can't be hidden from one another. They're all messing up together and they're all being invited to grow together. And one of the things I love about the Christian story is that we Christians are called by God, a body, a house. We're called by God to be a thing fitted together. And the Lord wants us to be the kinds of people who are built together. And he invites us into that experience of growing together. So the question I think we have to ask, or maybe one of the questions we're meant to ask, is are we actually connected to other people? Are we able to grow together? 
Are we learning together? Are we hearing things together that are moving us into being the kinds of people the Lord wants us to be? See, the rhythms of your life and mine are meant to be rhythms of growth and community. Connecting to one another as we grow is actually essential to being the kinds of people the Lord wants us to be. So to summarize this whole thing, I think this whole story could be summarized in this way. This is life. We go out into deep places. We get into trouble. We worry that Jesus won't help us. Jesus helps us. And then he challenges us to grow together. That's what I think the Lord is wanting to do. We've got a couple of questions for reflection, and I want to put those in front of you before we finish today. And if you're with groups, this is an opportunity to, to, to hit pause and turn and discuss. If you're on your own, this is an opportunity maybe to journal or to spend some time in reflection or introspection. Here, here are some questions to think through. Reflect on this statement. Growth comes slowly, but trouble emerges suddenly. How does that statement make you feel? What has been your experience there? I think that would be good for us to consider. Number two as you think about your life, does Jesus seem asleep in your boat right now? Have there been times when you've attempted to wake up Jesus in the midst of your own fear and confusion? How did that feel? How did that go? Would be good to discuss or interact there. And number three, how might experiencing difficulty together with other believers be better than doing it all by yourself? I believe those questions are good for us to consider helping us kind of distill what's happening in this text. We're going to finish by praying the Lord's Prayer together. And I just want to say to you that if you're at home and in the metro Atlanta area, come by the church during the week and pick up a communion kit, and then you can have communion, share communion in your home with your friends, your family. But regardless, if this is your church, we are thankful that you're watching us. And we would invite you to visit our website to give financially if this is your home to support our mission and worship God. But if you are checking us out or you live far away or maybe you've been away from church for a long time and are stepping back in tentatively, we just want to say everything's taken care of. We are super thankful that you are here. There's nothing expected of you. We're thankful that you've tuned in today. Let's pray as Jesus taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. We look forward to seeing you soon. Amen.